Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 11 a.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, good morning, church. If you've uh, been with us through this global pandemic, this setup might seem oddly familiar to you this morning. Hey, we, uh, we're really excited this morning to do something that uh, we did for several months together. And uh, we are going to preach a sermon together. So if you're new to our church this morning, this is not our normal setup. As I said, I'm Pastor Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. This is Pastor Justin. He's our our primary teacher. And uh, man, we're we're thankful to be this morning. But we are in a series right now for kickoff season on the satisfied life. And so we thought this morning um, we wanted to bring us back to this place for a significant reason because we're going to be talking about God's Word and its importance in our lives. So this was kind of your idea. So when you (laughs) wanted to do this, what were you thinking? I know. It's feeling so awkward right now. First of all, how <laughs> thankful were you guys for Rusty this morning yeah. and the team, huh? And when he began to share his testimony, I, I was just uh, kind of taking a pulse looking around uh, in the auditorium. Um, but not only, uh, how awesome is it that God found him uh, in that place, but how many people do we have in this auditorium that can identify with that story? Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Yeah. Praise the Lord. And so like Pete said, we're we're in a series called The Satisfied Life. Uh, This week we're talking about a satisfied life being saturated with the Word. Um, But there was a moment that happened in our church history, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, a little longer, I don't know, Um, but um, all of a sudden we were told that we could not meet at church the following weekend, and we were just getting ready to leave for a leadership team retreat, and um, we're like, man, the folks aren't going to be able to come. What are we going to do? We can't just cancel church because uh, it was pretty big news. I don't know if you recall this, but it used to be a big deal to be in the middle of a mess. Um, Now we just call that... Um, Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Living. Right. And we, have, we had this scenario, and so we just went to the Word. Uh, we dropped to our knees, we, we read Scripture, and we're like, let's just share with the people what had hit our hearts. And it came from Scripture, the thing yeah. that would stabilize us. We were convinced, still are, that it's God's Word, not ours. Uh, yeah. We could tell you all kinds of plans, but it's God's Word that settles the soul. Amen? Yeah. And we had, I mean, uh, just a few minutes, really. I think we didn't have a setup. We, we weren't doing video church. We didn't yeah. have that. And AJ said, give me a half an hour and we'll figure this out. And, and it took like 45 minutes just to clean the dust off of the video cameras <laughs> right. that we had, right? And get right. everything set up. But the thing that I remember from that <clears throat> moment was there was a lot of confusion. Yeah. There was a lot of concern. There's a lot of unknowns at that time. And yet... What we both felt led to present on that yeah. day was to take us back to the Word of God because it is living and active and steady in times of chaos. And so that's why we wanted to bring us back to this moment. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So if you have a copy of God's Word, I would love for you to open it or turn it on and find that passage. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where we're going to be this morning as we talk about that a satisfied life is saturated with the Word. But I know as we kind of talk about this idea of satisfied for a long time here at our church, 
kind of our mission statement was to present everyone complete in Christ. That comes from Colossians 1.28. Yeah. We want to help believers grow into mature followers of Christ. And we believe that one of the, the kind of the characteristics of a mature believer is a satisfied, uh, they're settled. Yeah. But what's kind of an overarching idea that we want to make sure through these kind of four weeks of going through this series, what, is, what do we want to make sure that we remember? Yeah, and um, when we were talking about that, what it means to be complete in Christ, uh, there actually is um, an understanding in the Old Testament of God keeping somebody in perfect peace. I don't know if you've ever heard that term, shalom, uh, when they wanted to emphasize that in the Old Testament and say, I want to give you perfect peace, it was just shalom, shalom. So uh, you remember when Pastor Ron was uh, going through the heart attack, there was a passage that was big to us uh, out of Isaiah that says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose heart is stayed on thee. And he remembered that passage, perfect peace, shalom, shalom. Uh, And shalom doesn't just mean uh, that you're going to be having an eerie calm, but it means that financially you're taken care of, your relationships are taken care of, your surroundings are taken care of. The idea in the Jewish mindset of perfect peace was all your enemies have settled down, everything that you need to be sustained in life is taken care of inside your home, Uh, and that's the idea of being complete. So when Paul, I think, shares that, we'll want to present every man complete in Christ, he's not saying that they passed a theological test. He's saying that they are living the kind of life that is shalom. It it actually is uh, perfect peace. And so when we come to this idea of the satisfied life, the goal that we wanted to be able to teach is how can you actually be satisfied? And we started last week looking at uh, it starting with Christ. And we asked every single person, and if you weren't here last week, we asked you to consider, would the people in your life, watching your life, look at you and say, they're settled. They're satisfied. That coming out of the core of who they are is a unique, settled joy that faces the world rather than the stirring and the angst and the irritation that we see in the world. Yeah. It seems very confusing right now and yeah. very complicated to get back to a place of peace and shalom. Yeah. But what we want to make sure that you understand is that the satisfied life is simple and attainable. That the, that the Lord has actually told us what to do to have that peace in all circumstances. Because what that also means is it doesn't mean that God pulls you out of the mess and puts you in a place where there is no chaos, there is yeah. no brokenness. He, you know, he says, I actually have the ability to give you peace and to satisfy your life in the midst of the mess. Yeah. He, he stepped into this world and has provided that perfect peace. And so uh, this morning we're going to be talking about the Word of God, but we had kind of a, a, a kind of for this message specifically yeah. an idea that we wanted to start off with to make sure that we put the Bible in the right place. Yeah, sometimes when we're talking about the Bible and uh, some folks will begin to, to te- teach on Scripture, and as they begin to share all the superlatives about how wonderful the Word of God is, it begins to sound like they're worshiping the Word rather than the Lord, all right? And so we want to make sure the, the satisfied life is saturated with the Word, but that's because you're communicating with the Lord when you're reading His Word. Do you get that? It, it is not having this Bible. In other words, if you have a problem, if, if your car is about to crash, you just holding the Bible up is not going to make a difference, all right? But at that moment, whether or not you know the Lord is super important. 
So we want to put you in connection with God, and Scripture has given us the ability to know his mind and to trace his thoughts and to follow what he expects. So, yeah, what we had written down was we do not worship the Bible, we worship the God of the Bible, and his word is how we commune with him. Absolutely. So. So we're about... We want to be about building disciples who are in relationship with God, not just a group of people who accept a certain set of rules to live by and then hold other people accountable by those sets of rules. Yeah. We're not the judge. We don't, we don't do that. We hold ourselves accountable and each other accountable to the Lord in that relationship yeah. that we can have with Him. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3 is a great text of Scripture to look at when we're talking about the importance of God's Word and why He has called us to be saturated in it. This letter is written to a young preacher from his mentor, and he's giving him a charge on how to approach God's Word. And so we're going to read this morning out of 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 3, verse 14, through chapter 4, verse 5. Would you follow along with me in your Bibles? It says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from your infancy you have known the sacred Scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of this appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you, exercise self-control in everything, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I love this passage of Scripture. It kind of outlines what Scripture can do for us. And then a a charge to stay true to this, keep our eyes fixed on this, instead of trying to just find things that are going to suit what we want to hear. And so we had three kind of observations that we wanted to share this morning that we kind of see here, and we're going to flavor with some other texts. Yeah, what's really crazy is you would think that if two guys who are committed to preaching the Word were to get together, you'd have six points instead of still just three, right? But uh, no, we just ended up with three. Well, my three got cut. Yeah, that's true. That's what happened. (laughs) For time. We were editing for time. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so we'll just do mine this morning. (laughs) That works uh, for me. That works for me, Pastor. Second service, you can do yours, (laughs) and uh, we'll take a vote. (laughs) You guys will uh, get the good ones here, the ones we took time to write down. So Way to get here early. (laughs) Take a shot. Yeah, three thoughts that we had, and uh, the first uh, observation we made, and, and it was interesting, when we um, began to look at passages to talk about the Word, we have this, Hebrews, Peter talks about sure. uh, being in the Word, but in every single one of them, it talks about the commitment to the Word, the fact that in the end times, people are going to reject the Word, that teaching to tickle ears is a problem uh, in the end times, but also that someday you and I are going to have to give an account for how we lived our life before God. And how do we know how we're going to measure up or stand? When we stand before him and we hand him our life, when, when the, the works, it says in, first, or in uh, 
Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, when the, our life passes through the fire and we're just left there, mm-hmm. are we going to hand him the ashes of a wasted life or is it going to be gold, silver, and precious stones? The only way to have anything worthy in your life to hand the Father on that day is if you're doing it according to the Word. Right. So the first thing that we wanted to highlight this morning coming out of this passage is that the Word is meant to be chewed. It's a meal that needs to be savored. Yeah, I think, I mean, he talks about here this idea that Timothy had had some godly uh, influences, his mother and his grandmother, we learned that. And he had been taught the scriptures from a young age. And what I love is the fact that these scriptures don't become out of date. It's like these worked for you when you were a kid, but then when you became an adult and started to face the real challenges of life, then there's something else for you to fall back on. No, he's saying these are the same scriptures that you were saved by as a kid, and they're the same scriptures that are going to guide you the rest of your day. Stay committed to this. So what does it mean then? Like when, when we say this idea that it needs to be chewed or savored, what comes to mind for you? Well, when we were talking about this in Psalm chapter 1, uh, those first two Psalms set up uh, the entirety of that book. Um, but in Psalm chapter 1, it talks about the kind of person that would be ultimately satisfied. They're going to be well watered, a mm. tree that is evergreen, right? And what it says is that on his law, he meditates day and night. And the word that's used there for meditate, used all the way through, over into different, into different nuances in the new. Uh, but that word is literally to be muttered. Hmm. Uh, have you ever received a command? Or have you ever heard something from somebody and it was so awe-inspiring or it was so significant uh, or it was so immediate that you just began to mutter it? Have you ever heard that? Or, or you began to mutter what it is that you were needing to do? Is anybody here a mutterer? Just don't want to admit it. Yeah? Okay. Look at your spouse real quick and then confirm. But uh, sometimes we will hear something and we will begin to mutter it. This idea of muttering is that you're so filled up with it that you just begin to speak it out loud. It's, it's spoken over and over again to you until it settles in. Another place we see this uh, kind of encouraged is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is the kind of the core verse for our children's ministry, yeah. is this principle that we say, it says here in Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. There's an idea here of this repetitive nature. We see some kind of bookend statements. It's like when you're coming and going, getting up and going. But basically, Moses is telling the people, this should be what you're constantly talking about, repeating these things. It actually says, repeat these to your children. Continue to talk about these things over and over and over again. It's really important. Yeah, in fact, uh, if you were part of a dedicated Jewish household in that day, uh, every single morning you would wake up with what is called the Shema. That's the first uh, Hebrew word that would be there. And it's hero Israel, and they would begin to set their day, order their day with this expectation. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then at the end of the day, you would also repeat this as if you were measuring your day. How did you do? Uh, just to, uh, by way of uh, a little practice, during the course of this week, look up some of those words. And the Bible Project does a real amazing job of tearing apart, in fact, this phrase where they just look at each of the words Uh, that are in the Shema. But at the very end, the word that is translated strength is not actually used uh, as the word strength all the rest of the way through the Hebrew Old Testament. 
In fact, it's a, a word that's called uh, extra uh, mm-hmm. or very. So when he creates man and he says he sees all the things, he saw the creatures, it was good, the vegetation, it was good, the world, it was good. But when he created man, he said it was very good. Uh, that's that word that's right there. It's the word for extra or for very, and it's used all the way through. And it's interesting. They put that in here as strength, I think, because uh, it, it's with everything that is in you, all of your extra. But I just want you to think about right now for a moment, if we we're going to meditate, if we we're going to mutter the word this week, and we were going to have ourselves begin to repeat a question, what was it this week that you gave your extra to? So you wake up in the morning, you say, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, my soul, with all my strength. If it means my extra, what did you give your extra to? Everybody, you've met that person who when they walk in the room is just a little bit extra, haven't you? Right? And sometimes we can use that word for a little more maintenance is required or a little more energy is required or a little more digestion is required, whatever it would be. But what about for you during the course of this week? What was your extra? When, when you had spare moments, when you were on the edge of tired, you still were thinking, you still were doing, what was your extra committed to? And he says, and the, and the edges of that is where our faith is found. What do you actually love and commit to? And the word reveals it. Right. That extra is important. Sometimes people that I talk to, and even in my own life, we can feel, we go through these seasons where we don't feel like we're getting a lot out of the word, or we just feel like in life we're feeling dry. We're feeling aimless. We don't feel like God's really, like, no, we just don't feel connected. Yeah. And, and what I've seen time and time again in my life and in the lives of, of others is there's a correlation oftentimes where that, that sense of direction and, and settledness comes with how often I've been in the Word yeah. and not just slamming it in. I think our lives get busy. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic when some of us were forced to work from home and there was like some time. I heard many people go, man, I feel like I have time now to get up and do my devotions and my time in the Word's been really, really good. Well, now as life is picked back up and we're all going back to work and the kids are going back, it's going to be easy to fill in every spare moment of time and then try to make our time in the word a, a smoothie yeah. or a power bar yeah. rather than a meal yep. that needs to be enjoyed and savored that was made intentionally and has a purpose and, a, and something that's to really be enjoyed and so I think it's really important for us to, to view that a person who's settled is typically one who has been spending time in the word and not rushing through it but really placing themselves under the word of God and allowing God's word to speak clearly to their heart to their mind yeah that's important what's the second observation The second thing that we see in Scripture, we pull out of this passage, is that the Word of God will flood your thinking. It should be the core of who you are. Yeah. And so when the Word comes into us, I remember even last week you kind of spoke on John 4 and this idea that Jesus shares with the woman at the well of living water that would spring up and rise up inside of the person. Uh, But what do you mean by it should flood the thinking? Well, uh, honestly, as I was uh, walking through this, it says that uh, from infancy you've known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ. Uh, it talks about the fact that this is God-breathed, um, that every word is inspired, and the intention of God when he writes the word is that it would fill up who you are and direct your path, but also give you an awareness, wisdom, of what is happening in the world around you. If you know the word, you have an awareness, a situational awareness of what is happening uh, around you. But it should fill, fill us up so that everything that comes out of us in a broken moment is the word. 
I remember listening to a pastor preach on this, and he used, and I'll just give you a trigger warning, he used kind of an intense illustration, sure. but it stuck with me, and I haven't been able to shake it. He said, imagine for a moment that you were in a car accident. You were the one at the wheel, and you awake behind the wheel, and your family has passed. They're dead. You were driving. You were at the wheel. He says, in that moment, you don't take a checklist. You don't say, okay, how am I supposed to respond? You don't start working through, what are the stages of grief, right? There's no logic that just starts coming out of you in that moment. You don't call somebody or phone a friend and find out, how am I supposed to respond? You don't take time to think through your response. What comes out of you at that moment is coming out of the center of who you are. That's really important. So what do we see if Jesus is our example in all things? What happened when in the key central moments he gets tempted by Satan in the desert? Has anybody had a face-to-face interaction with Satan? Jesus did. Takes him out to the desert 40 days. He's hungry. So he's hungry, lonely, tired in that place. And Satan comes talking to him. What does Jesus do? He gives him the word. When he's confronted by Peter, his closest friend, you know, arguably in that group of 12, or at least the most vocal one, uh, and Peter says, no, you can't go to the cross. you got a lot to do. And he says, get behind me. This is necessary for the scriptures to be fulfilled. When he's on the cross and he gets the spear or he is actually in the, the throes of death, what does he do? It? He quotes scripture all the way through. Quoting Scripture to remind us what is happening to him had been foretold, and it was necessary for our salvation. Everything that came out of Jesus, who's God, was Scripture. What comes out of you and I? So there's been opportunities. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That is the question for the second point is we've been living through tough times that are poking us, agitating us, testing us. Sometimes maybe maybe we feel like it's intentional. Yeah. What have we been soaking in? Because that's what's going to come out of us when we get wrong. Yeah, and I, I just wonder, I don't know if any of you have ever um, given your kids a test, right? So they, I've heard your instruction, but you can see that glazed over look that says, as soon as you walk out the door, I'm just going to eat the cookies that are hidden in the other room and then take the punishment, you know, whatever it is, uh, I'm not going to clean. You can see that glazed over. And so what do you say as a parent? What did I just say? You know, do you remember what I just said? We have that test. Um, we can look at it from the side of frustration, or we can actually look at it when we're getting ready to uh, launch them into a new stage of life. What is it that's actually in them? You're asking them to repeat or think through what it is that actually has been a part of, of who they are. Um, we're, we're hoping that there is something there that has stuck. That's what the Lord is hoping with His Word, is that we'll fill up with it so much that he doesn't have to ask us, what did I say? It pours out of us. We remember that. You and I were both talking this week. There's been some of our our family here who's gone through tragic loss this last week. And and I know it's impacted our church. And it's been heavy on both of us and Pastor Matt as well, who's been so pivotal in that. But one of the things that I've just been, God keeps encouraging me by is some of those people in literally the darkest most shocking moments as they've been beginning to process have just verse after verse after verse after verse. Not prompted by the preacher, but it's in them. And when poked and cut, 
the word of God's coming out. That's our hope for all of us. It's true. Is that each one of us would have a life where we've been soaking in God's word, we're, we're communing with God, and then when life gets hard and hits us, that what comes out of us in those moments of crisis is God's word. There's one more observation we had that we wanted to share, what it means to have a life that's saturated with God's Word. And, it, and it's this, the Word will transform your behavior. It doesn't return void. In, in Isaiah chapter 55, um, the prophet is talking about God's words. And it says this, starting in verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and, and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I please and will, pro- and will prosper in what I send it to do. You will indeed go out with joy and peacefully be guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of thornbush, a cypress will come up. Instead of a briar, a myrtle will come up. This will stand as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. Uh, you had a couple of thoughts that come to you every time you read this section of Isaiah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really profound, and I I know we didn't ask you to turn there. I want you to hear this. It says, for just as the rain and snow fall from heaven and don't return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout, providing seed to sow and food to eat. So the idea is that the word of God comes like rain and it falls on whatever you have planted, right? And we never reap in the same season that we sow, but just pause for a moment and think about in your life, what have you actually been sowing? This passage actually forecasts that because you might say, well, if the word of God comes and causes whatever I've been planting in my life to grow, I'm actually not going to be reaping some great stuff, right? There's some little things I've been planting in my life that are going to grow up terrible. And it says that you'll go with joy and be peacefully guided because instead of the thorn bush, that's the seed you planted, a cypress will come up. Instead of the briar, that's the seed you planted. Because of the word of God, it actually transforms what you should be harvesting in your life. Instead of you getting what you deserve, instead of you getting what you planted, what God desires grows up. And there's two words there, as long as uh, we still have a minute. Yeah. Cypress and myrtle. When the children of Israel were told to celebrate the Feast of Booths, they were told, you're going to be out in the desert for 40 years. Anybody remember why they were out in the desert? They rejected God's plan. So they end up 40 years in the desert. And what happens, it says, that while they were there, they learned to follow the Lord, but their shoes never wore out, their clothing never wore out, they never went a day without food and without sustenance. God provided for them for 40 years. They were rebellious, uh, they were irritable, they ran away from God's best, and he made provision for them. And they were supposed to create a booth. These two trees, this cypress and myrtle, were the trees. You would weave together this booth and you would sit underneath the booth and you would be reminded that even when you had failed in following God, he would provide. So what does it say here? That the the word of God will water what's in your life, but it'll transform it. And even when you've been running in rebellion, you'll be sitting underneath a booth that will remind you that when you're reckless, God is faithful. Isn't that profound? He's faithful and he is the one 
that will get it done. And, and it doesn't return void. It changes our circumstance. But what do we have to do? We got to water our life with the word. Yeah. This will change the outcome of what we're doing. Yeah, so. it's not only perspectives that will get changed. Yeah. But outcomes will get changed as we submit to God's plan and his leading and the things that he wants to produce. It'll change us. In our lives. Yeah. So these are important things that are true for us if we yeah. are, are wanting that satisfied life. I don't believe we can attain the satisfied life apart from God's Word. It's true. It, this is the source of communion with Him, the source of information, and we've just kind of shared some of those things that it does. So, so sum, sum it up for us, Pastor Justin. Why is this important? The, the Word of God being in our lives, uh, and this is what I would ask you to consider. You've got to have some plan where you are consistently inputting the Word of God in your life. And I just have you pause for a moment and think. With those around me, when I look in the mirror, does it look like I have a plan when it comes to God's Word? There was a, a system of input that we used to use in computers uh, called punch cards. We have a picture of one here. This is a, a punch card. You guys remember that? Uh, there was a series of punch cards that you would have to, to do. Uh, I actually did a check for uh, in the 1950s, the Sage Air Defense System uh, was kept in line through a series of 62,520 cards. It equaled five megabytes of information. Get this. There's a picture of a lady standing next to 10 stacks of cards that are as tall as her. In order for you to get one gig of information, it took 22 tons of these punch cards. We live in an advanced age. So your, your mind might say, well, why don't you just use a, an advanced computer? This defense system could not use those advanced computers. Let's switch it to you and I. You and I cannot think like God. He says, your ways are not my ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. If God were to insert his brain into you, you would explode. All right? So what has he done? He's given us a system that we can process. Hmm. With the Apollo lunar lander, they actually had... This little system, if you look at it, it looks like little copper wires around nuts. Uh, they actually, in order to make sure that it could get off of the ground and land without ruining it, they wove it on a loom. It took years, okay, to be able to just get 72 kilobytes of information on this little thing. They jammed it together. If they had one, one or zero out of place, the thing wouldn't have been able to land. They had to spend all of this time, but it's for simple input. Why do I emphasize that? Simple computers require consistent input. With those cards, you're constantly putting them in. There's a manufacturer that does drivetrain still today for certain old cars, and they use that punch card system to be able to program the computer so that it will do exactly what was necessary in that man original manufacturer's specifications. God has a plan for your life, and your computer is not that awesome. It's not great. So what has God done? He's given you a process. If you will just sit every single day before him, he'll take that punch card, insert that into your life, and produce a satisfied life. But you run your own direction. The computer is not going to do what it's supposed to do. It's not going to focus on what it's supposed to focus, and the result is a wreck. What God says is, I've given you the plan for a satisfied life. If you will sit before me, read my word, it'll transform and give the right outcome.
Amen? Amen. We get an opportunity to do this. I'm going to step off the stage, and Pete's going to lead us in the Lord's Supper. Yeah. So. One of the things that, one of the ways that we can continue to go back consistently to a portion of Scripture is a time for we as a church family gather around communion or the Lord's table. And so we're going to do that here in just a minute. Um, Russ is going to come back up and lead us in a song to kind of prepare our hearts. But I just want to just kind of remind us, when you came in, you were given the elements, a little cup. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a second. But uh, these elements are, are important to those who have placed their faith in Christ. And so this is a, a practice, it's a, an observance we do as believers. Um, and it's for us to do uh, with a, a level of respect and a level, a level of honor. And so we just want to take a few moments here to invite you to inspect your heart, to inspect kind of how you are right now in relationship with the Lord and with others. The scriptures call us to kind of inspect our hearts and prepare ourselves to take the Lord's Supper. And every time we do, it says in scripture that every time we do this together, we are remembering what Christ did for us. He gave his life. His blood was shed on a cross to cover all of our sins. And his body was broken, laid in a grave, but victoriously rose from the dead three days later, proving that he was God and giving us now hope for all who believe. And so we're going to take these elements here after this song, but I want to invite you during the song to just inspect your own heart. Ask the Lord to help you approach this the right way and that we can do it together, remembering that he is coming again soon. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We're thankful for what it does for us, Lord. Not only does it instruct us, but it fills us up and it can transform so many things in our life. God, I pray that you would help us be a people that are saturated with your word. And now, God, as we turn our attention to communion, would you prepare our hearts and minds to do this in remembrance of you? We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen.
What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the pavement, his life was the cost. We stood neath the dead we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. you to take out your elements if you haven't already and get familiar with it. There's a side that has the bread. We'll take that first if you want to open that. Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on the night when he said he was betrayed. The Lord took bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Goes on to say, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul goes on to say, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. (laughs) 